Hello, this is Gospel of Kennison. I am your host, James Kennison. This is episode 122, brought to you the week of March 11th, 2020. I want to tell you about a dream I had last night. I don't remember most dreams, but this one is so vivid. In this dream, I was a young man, was drawn in the style of a manga or a manga, or a anime, whatever you want to call it. As a young man with a coat and a turned-up nose and the hair that, you know, falls down in front of the face. And I had with me a blue marble-sized speck of energy, almost like a Pokemon that was following me around, zooming like a little sonic ball around on branches and along the ground and down electrical wires. We were walking toward what I would find out later would be a school where I would be dropping this energy off at. But along the way, an old man removed a glass cover from the road and underneath that glass cover was a bowl, a shallow bowl shaped indention with all of these little drums with mechanicals that you would we wouldn't play the drums directly. You would land on these little pads, these little slings, and they would hit the drums for you. This was made for the uh, energy balls to play on. And mine jumped down and went from drum to drum, making random sounds and just having a blast. And then another energy ball came rolling up to the corner very timid very afraid not sure that it should try uh but mine stepped aside and everyone around seemed to want uh, to, to encourage it to go and it did it and it jumped and it landed in the square center and it was beautiful and perfect and it bounced straight up and down and every time it hit the center drum a beam of white light would shoot up from the whole thing and light up the entire recessed area. It was perfect. And you could feel the surprise in the ball of energy from moments ago, wondering if it was good enough to knowing that it could now achieve such perfection. And it rolled off toward the school with a whole new world in front of it. My ball of energy emoted that maybe it wasn't good enough to go anymore now that it had seen that, that everything that it had done before was foolish and stupid. And I nodded it toward the school as if to say, you had more fun and yours was a better beat. So I don't know how much I put into dreams, but I like the message of this one. And I guess it could be interpreted a million ways by a different million people. Um, but I know that I wanted to start off this GOK with this memory here at 8.58 a.m. on a Wednesday morning. I hope this episode's a good one. I want to give a special thanks 
to uh, two of our patrons, Carrie Wright and Carrie Bernhardt. You can support this program on Patreon via patreon.com slash GOK. Perfection is the condition, the state, or quality of being free or as free as possible from all flaws or defects. A person or thing perceived as the embodiment of perfection, the action or process of improving something until it is faultless and faultless, as faultless as possible. In the real world, when we're talking about ourselves, perfection is impossible. Because we can try to do things perfectly, try to maintain a constant level of performance, try to keep our personality locked down to a certain level of normalcy. And yet we will find that we come up short or overdo it every single time. And for some of us, if we're not perfect, then we shouldn't attempt anything. If we're not doing it just right, then why bother? Others say that I will do it when it is perfect and I will try and I will perfect it and I will continue. Others say never will it ever happen. So therefore I will never try. I'm probably in both categories at different times, depending on what you're talking about. In some areas, I know I'll never be perfect or even normal, or at least I believe that about myself. And so if I waited, I would never do anything at all. And so I'm forced to function in a state of imperfection and just give up on the idea of ever being perfect in the first place. Some things are so menial that perfection doesn't even come into the equation. The way I drive, the way I shower, the way I dress. It doesn't even matter. We just do it day to day. But there are things that you do want to get better at. And for me right now, Sunday nights with the kids, the message that I put out to them, however brief it may be, is what I want to perfect and be better at. Because it seems no matter how much I prepare, the words never seem to come out quite right, never seem to make the impact that I wish that they would make or felt as I was writing them down. And possibly never impress the people that I'm trying to impress 
And that is why perfection is impossible for me. Because in my mind, there are imaginary people judging. And I say imaginary, even though they're standing right in front of me oftentimes, because I don't know what they're thinking. I don't know how they're judging. I don't know their thoughts. So I create them inside my mind and they are always judgmental, negative, never have a kind thing to say or think, never on my side, never for me, always against me. And it's been going on ever since I can remember. In my childhood, I would imagine people watching me, judging me having scientific experiments behind the walls of my house in secret compartments, judging everything I did from making the bed to getting dressed to how I treated my sisters and my family and always coming up short, finding myself wanting. For some people, perfection is something that they're really good at. At least they seem to be on Facebook, on Instagram. They put out an image that is so different than the realities of what they're facing. Sometimes it's impossible to believe that they have anything less than perfection. But I know, I know, I know that the mask that we put up in front of our faces is a perfect mask. It is a mask that is so perfect because it is exactly the opposite of what it's trying to hide. So the more perfect a mask appears, the more imperfect the face behind it. The happier the mask the sadder the face behind it. The more carefree the mask, the more cares in the eyes and lines of the face behind it. Because we do perfect one thing, and that is the image that we project. Unless you are so depressed or so broken or so in so much pain that you can no longer put out that image that the reality of who you are spills out beyond the mask and you are undone. You are lost. You are judged. You are found wanting. Can we live like that? Can we live with the reality of who we are on display all the time? No. And yes. When we have a support group around us, friends and loved ones who know who we are, who we don't wear the mask around. We have support. We have reality. We have what we can. We can be ourselves. But there's a lot of the world that we don't know. People we pump gas with. People we 
share a stoplight with that don't know or don't care, wouldn't care, and wouldn't want to know, would be embarrassed to know of your problems, would be inappropriate for them to know. But then there are folks in between, our acquaintances, even our friends. Do we burden them with our imperfections or do we keep the mask and try to shove as much of the baggage, the trash baggage behind it as possible to keep things seeming normal? I'm to the place that I can't hide my imperfections. I'm also to the place that I don't want to. That I want to scare off people who don't want to be around me. I want to let a little bit of the badness show. Every single time I shake a new hand so that I will turn them off if they are to be turned off and they will go elsewhere, somewhere easier, somewhere where the mask is held on a little straighter and hides the reality a little better because I don't have the energy to keep it up. The facade has failed. The real me is there. And I don't expect you to like it. I don't like it. I don't expect you to understand it. I don't understand it. I don't expect you to love it. I, above all, do not love it. It's good practice letting it all hang out, especially when you're talking about God, which I didn't think I would this episode, because if there's anyone who sees through the mask as if the mask doesn't exist, as if he's ever seen a mask, it is God who sees us in our mess. And according to scripture, loves us anyway, who sent his son to die for that mess, who gave his one and only son for that mess, for that mistake, for that shortcoming that is our lives. At least we have one that totally gets it. And I don't know that God the Father does. I think God the Son does. I think he gets it. And because of the experiences that God the Son experienced, because he suffered in every way that we have, I think he passes on that information to God the Father as he intercedes for us at the throne. At least that's the way I interpret it. The GOK is the gospel of Kennison after all. There's no excuse. There's no mistake in my naming of the podcast the way I did. 
but there can be fun in our imperfections when we embrace them. When we give up the mask, because the mask is not us. The image is not ourselves. We are the mess. We are the shortcomings. We are the imperfections. And though we work on them, though we want to improve, though in my heart, I want to be the best version of myself I can be. I know I am so far away from that. And in the meantime, while others seem to have it so down pat, so together, maybe I can be content being who I am. Surrounding myself with people who can accept that. And see the beauty in it. Because I don't. Childhood was so much easier. There's no masks when you're a kid. You are who you are. And there are bad kids with badness leaking out of them. There are sweet kids with sweetness just dripping from their mouths and their eyes and their hands, their ears. It just comes out of everywhere. There are tough kids who have been injured. They're already hiding behind something, but not a mask, a wall, a shell, a rock. And then there are the kids that are so needy so empty inside because they don't get what they need at home that there is nothing behind the mask at all except for a big gaping hole that may never be filled and these children grow and each of us are one of them I'm partly the kid with the sweetness I'm partly the kid Behind the rock, I'm partly the kid with a gaping hole for a heart. I have my family. I have this podcast and others like it. I have you, the listener. All of you play your part in helping me to realize that I must be better than I feel like I am. There must be something more there that I can't see. Because how would a loser, like I believe I am, attract such a great woman as my wife is? And have such great children as my children have turned out to be. And have one of the best listeners. Listenerships. Group of listeners. That I do have. I mean, it, it is. It's beyond. 
anything that I could comprehend. In all three cases, my wife, my kids, my, my podcast audience. And I've also attracted a friend. His name's David. You guys hear me talk about him a lot. He is perfect. <laughs> he is, to me, he is perfect. To me, he's the ball that bounces right on the center drum mechanism and produces the light that makes what I did seem so foolish. And, and in the dream, it was... It was not a competition. It wasn't that the light beam was trying to outdo anything. It was his first try. He didn't know. He did it perfectly. And then went off happy, knowing that he was not useless and that he was actually going to succeed at this thing. And that that's David. I've lived in his shadow a long time. And I feel like I'm a better person because someone like him sees something in someone like me. I always think of that old movie, Twins, with Arnold Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito, where one twin, well, actually, it was only supposed to be one child, if I remember the plot correctly, a perfect superhuman. But then the egg split and all of the negative stuff went into this other twin, the Danny DeVito twin. And that's the one I feel like I am. I feel like we're connected and will be for life. And I feel like our differences and our shortcomings and the things we're good at completely mirror and complement each other. But I definitely feel like I end up on the short end of the stick. Because I am hit the opposite of him in almost every way. He is disciplined. I am completely undisciplined. He seems to have the closest relationship with God, while mine is tenuous at best. I struggle with what I believe about God. Always believing, but what I believe about him. Do I believe that he is as gracious as people say? Do I believe he's as loving as people say? Do I believe he's as patient as people say? Or is he angry sitting up there on his throne with his knuckles white, gripping the arms of his throne, leaning in, growling, waiting to attack humankind with his wrath? And the only thing holding him back is a compassionate Christ. Or has he listened to the stories of his son and experienced through him the pain of being human? Does he understand now? Does he get it? Has he moved past experiential knowledge? I'm sorry, a a, a gnosis knowledge and moved into an epinosis where he's experienced it. Does he have my back? Is he okay with me being imperfect? Is it okay that I'm not completely right? And is it okay that I'm not constantly trying to be better? That there are gaps. 
There are times where I am too weak and other times where I am too lazy to care about perfecting, about becoming better. And then let's talk about the areas of our lives because it's not just one glob of imperfection. There are some areas that we perfect, at least I do, on purpose. My relationship with my wife, the way I treat her, constantly, constantly trying to get better at that, being a better listener. It's pretty much just listening. And with my children, trying to respond to them properly, not not wanting to cause permanent harm or damage to them, as was done to me. Constantly worried that what I say or do may impact them in a way that they will remember forever. And instead of a a lighthearted, happy-go-lucky dad with a joke and an embarrassing um, (laughs) behavior, that they would remember a dark and angry father. Is there any other part that I work on as much as those two? One would say you should probably be working on your relationship with God, the part of you that is presented to him. And I do. I do. The way I view him comes into play so so much. Because if, he's, if he is a gracious God, then I have the time I need. If he is not, then I'm not going to try at all. Because I know I will come up short. If he's gracious, then I have the time I need. to get it together, to get things going right. Then I have his understanding. He knows exactly where I'm at, where I'm not at, why I do what I do and why I don't. And in that, all that knowledge, he has perfect understanding. And in that understanding, he has perfect forgiveness But if he is not merciful, if he is angry, then I have failed and I will hand in my white flag and surrender as I am, unchanged, ready for judgment. Perfection is the condition, the state or quality of being free or as free as possible from all flaws or defects. I wonder if that used to just say the quality of being free from all flaws or defects. And then people like me came along and said, but, but we'll never be perfect. And they said, okay, well free or as free as possible from all flaws or defects. They've changed the definition of perfection to allow for imperfections. That's a good thing, I suppose. Although, 
I don't know. There's a part of me that's upset by that. Because perfection is a standard. You know, the last bit of perfection, that imperfection that I think of is the imperfection that we have to deal with from others. Especially in family, extended family. People that are supposed to behave a certain way. People that are supposed to treat us a certain way. Maybe, maybe our sisters and brothers, maybe our own parents are supposed to love us a certain way. Do we have enough grace? Do I have enough grace? Or do I just call it grace while I've just given up on them? I don't know. Typically with me, when I judge myself, I go with the worst option and just own that one. Because I am so far from perfection in any area of my life that I find myself petrified. Absolutely unable to move. except in three main areas. The relationship I have with my wife, the relationship I have with my children, and the relationship I have with you. Can I give my personal opinion on perfection? I, I, instead of wondering about it and thinking about it and rolling it around in my mind, I don't think anybody's perfect. No one. And I believe the more perfect a person appears, the less perfect they are. Because there's always a balance. There's always enough badness, enough drama, enough pain, to balance out the image that is put out. So that's why I don't think it does any good to be jealous of anyone, for instance. Man, I wish I could travel like they do. I wish I had family like they do. I wish I had a significant other like they do. I wish I had the looks that they do. Trust me, these things come at a price. I would much rather be me than anybody else because as as crappy as I feel like I have it, I think I have it better than a lot of folks. You know, they always say there's always somebody that's got it worse, and I know that's the case in my case because I am very blessed in my family. I'm blessed with several talents, not that I use them. It's a series of thoughts that have pierced my mind all the way through this diatribe is 
that I don't use my talents enough. I look at people like Doug Tenaple and um, Ethan Nicole, and they're constantly producing and putting out work. And for me, the only creative thing I do is podcasting. Art has definitely taken a back seat in the very back row. I used to sing, write songs. But like the little beam of energy in my my dream last night, or early this morning, actually, I've seen perfection. And I feel like it's unattainable. And because I can't be that, I feel like I shouldn't try. But I know there's a logical part of me that says, you know, that's the very thing that keeps you from perfecting your skill is not doing anything. I know that. Doesn't matter. I hope for your sake that you're wired differently than I am because there is a different kind of response to perfectionism and that is the one that faces it as a challenge, sees it as an, as obtainable and pursues it with all of their might. There is something admirable about that so much so. My wife is one of those people. David, my friend, is one of those people. And though they know they will never achieve it, they strive to. And in doing so, become better versions of themselves. In some cases, become very frustrated versions of themselves. But I've always looked up to people like that because I am not one of them. I am the one that sees the perfection and wonder why I even tried in the first place. That's why the dream struck home and struck a chord with me and stuck with me. Because I'm happy. I was happy as a child before I began comparing myself to others. Before my stepdad taught me that. I was fearless. And stupid. But in a good way. Some would say ignorant, I suppose. Because I would write songs in spite of the fact that I couldn't write songs. And I would draw pictures even in spite of the fact that I couldn't draw very well. And I would create in spite of the fact that my creation sucked. And all of that effort got me to where I am now. To where I'm halfway decent at most of this stuff. But I've allowed depression and anxiety and life. And comparison. Social media. Doug to Naple, <laughs> Ethan Nicole. I've allowed them 
to do something none of them ever intended to do, and that is to put me in a holding pattern because I can never be as good or as motivated or as energetic or as creative or as productive as them. But can I learn from the lesson my dream spoke to me this morning, the morning hours as the light was coming through my windows, as my wife's body spray was piercing my poor, innocent nostrils as it does every morning. It smells good after it's dissipated, but boy, when it first applied, it's rough. Can I apply it to my life? Can I see perfection and still feel like what I have can be as good, if not better, for me? Because that was the lesson. That was the lesson is you had a lot more fun. And that was the carelessness of my youth. So I had fun. I would write stupid songs. Stupid songs about Jesus. Stupid songs about peanut butter and jelly. Having a blast. I would, even up into high school, singing songs. I'd carry around a keyboard and sing songs for people. Stupid, careless, carefree, but productive. Can I watch perfection happen? Can I, in the face of that flawlessness, allow my flawed behavior, my flawed creativity, my flawed relationships, can I allow them... Can I, can I, can I get back that stupidity, that ignorance? I don't know. Maybe I just need to get off social media. I need it though. I need it to get my messages out. I need it to tell people about my podcasts. I need it to connect with people like you guys. But the professional photographers and the the guys with the really good camera phones and the folks with all the creativity, maybe they are too much. And maybe I don't listen to the voice that says you had more fun and your beat was better. I used to struggle with worship, worshiping God during a service, saying to myself and to God, how many times have you heard these words, this song, my attempts at praise? And the response that came back, but I've never heard yours the way you do it. Your unique version. God saw value in the way I did it. Even though no one would ever record my version and sell it on a Hillsong's track. 
He wanted my uniqueness. God, help me to learn from this dream this morning. Help me to play again. Help it to be fun. Because it has become a burden. The fact that I can do these things but don't has become a burden, a judgment against me. You should be using these because you've been given them. It's the parable of the talents in real life. You've been given five talents and you're using one or two and you've buried the rest. Help me. Just help me. I'll do I'll do what I'm supposed to do. Just help me get started. Thank you for listening. A little bit of a different style of podcast today. But that's why you tune in, isn't it? Because you never know what you're going to get. As always, your feedback is encouraged and recommended, whether it's on Facebook, the NLCast network community group that we have, whether it's through our Discord server, whether it's through email, james at nlcast.com. Um... Did this mean anything to you beyond, you know, did, did you relate to anything? Or was this all about me? <laughs> uh, thank you for listening. It does mean the world. There's about 250 to 300 of you. And you guys are the only ones that know. Besides my close family, what's going on in my head half the time. Uh, people on that story show hopefully never know the struggle behind, you know, the, the show. Because as for me, I wouldn't want to know this stuff. I would just want to be the guy that listens to that story show and laugh along and that's it. I ain't got time for somebody else's drama. I got enough drama of my own. So that's why I hope that this isn't depressing. I hope it's uplifting in some way. So far, you guys keep saying it is. So. I'll just keep churning it out. I'm actually in a really good mood. Talking about it has helped a lot. And I don't know what I'm going to do with myself today, but it is 9.46 and I'm not asleep. And that's good. Maybe I'll draw something. 
Maybe I'll pull out the guitar. Maybe I'll just look at Facebook. We'll have to see. Talk to you guys later.